y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Chats in the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa, and I'm your host. Of course you know that. Today, I'm chatting with Natalie. Natalie is a young adult author, and she's actually... When I say young, she's 22 years old, but she's learned so much in her short amount of time of being alive and life that I think a lot of older adults can actually learn from as well because she has been faced with um, cerebral palsy, depression, you name it, she's been faced with it, but she hasn't let that get her down. So I really hope you really enjoyed this chat with her and I love the fact that you're joining me for Women Empowerment, Women's History Month and in So let's get to it. Start listening. get into it we had a little technical difficulty her computer crashed on her twice so hoping and praying third time's the charm that doesn't happen again but before we get into it i wanted to um bring out the quote by Oprah, Oprah winfrey again you get in life what you have the courage to ask for and natalie i thought after reading your bio that this quote was perfect to start off today's chat with so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first uh sure um Hi, everybody. Sorry again for the technical difficulties. I was just saying this is the first time I've done my a live broadcast in like months and it had to be it had to be today, didn't it? That everything packed up. Um, my name is Natalie. I'm from Hampshire in England and I am a writer and I also have cerebral palsy, which means I use a wheelchair to get about. And I also live with depression and anxiety. I'm really excited to uh, chat to you guys today. So let's talk about being a writer. When did you first start to want to write? Is that something that you've always wanted to do? Uh, Yeah, always. Um, Actually, before I could even physically hold a pen, I was telling people I wanted to be a writer. Um, so I have this really clear memory of when I was about two years old, I was round at my grandparents' house and I saw this robin in their garden, um, robin redbreast, little bird with the red chest. And I christened him Robbie, my revealingly imaginative approach to names that stood me in such good stead ever since. (laughs) And I um, sat down in front of my mum and told her this story and got her to write it down for me. Um, And I remember her saying, slow down, like, I can't write as fast as you can talk. Um, But I remember that that didn't seem odd, so I imagine I've been doing it for some time before then uh so i kind of um it's a weird it's weird but it's like it's always been there i never sort of had a moment where i was like 
I didn't want to be a writer and now I do. It's just, it's something that I've always had, like the same way I've always had my, my name and, you know, I've always been, I've always lived in England. I've always lived in the same house. I've always wanted to be a writer. It's one of those base, base things. So yeah, it's kind of, um, it's a little bit crazy, I guess. Like I talked to other writers and they're like, oh, I started writing in my thirties or my forties and they have these like really interesting paths but for me it's just like it's just been there it's like part of me i guess so you just write young adult fiction right uh, i do yeah um but i would also love to write other things as well like i'm working on something at the moment a couple of things actually i'm working on like a a little uh i call it a memoir which is a pet memoir which is about my uh, life with my beautiful assistant's dog, Cleo. Uh, I'm working on that right now. And also I've got a kid's book in the works, like for younger kids. Uh, so I'd, I'd love to do loads of things, but the books that I have out right now are, are young adult ones, yeah. So can I ask you how old you are? Because you look very, very young. <laughs> yeah, I look like a baby. Um, I'm 22. Okay. But I think I, I think I look about thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I get that. I get that because my two oldest girls are actually twenty. They'll be twenty five and twenty three this year, and people think they're still teenagers, like twelve and thirteen. So I totally get that. Yeah, I don't know if it has anything to do with. I was a summer baby, and I was born like really premature as well. Mm. I was born like ten weeks early, so I don't know if it's partly to do with that but I've always looked like so much younger than I am like when I started school I only had baby hair mm. like things haven't really improved since then so let's talk about cerebral palsy and how you had to overcome that to basically because you said you got around in a wheelchair has that faced you any difficulties when you're writing as well uh yeah i would i would say so um so just at the top of this i'll just give like a little pricey of, of what it is and what it's about so ter cerebral palsy is a umbrella term given to a collection of um disorders hugely caused by premature birth but then um, very occasionally can get be caused by other things but um almost always uh, by premature birth uh, it's not um, genetic. It happens literally as as you're being born. It's due to uh, the brain being deprived of oxygen uh, at birth, and it causes uh, damage to parts, different parts of the brain, and it causes mobility issues in some people. That's like me, and um, other other people who live with it have other types of issue too, like um, speech difficulties, which I've uh yeah i've managed to avoid um but in terms of uh, writing i'd say the bit that it impacts the most is uh, it makes my handwriting terrible absolutely mm. awful and it makes it really uh, physically difficult to uh, write things uh, but i am very stubborn and i always write all my first drafts i always write them out longhand in a notebook uh, first, uh, I don't wow. know if that 
makes me a fool or a sadist or what because it, it 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 takes <laughs> quite a it takes like a really long time it's kind of like masochistic like sometimes it'll take like an hour to do like a page I'm like, mm. i could just be typing this up but I, I don't know what it is about notebooks and also it helps because when i do the first draft in the notebooks i you know i'm writing things in the margins i'm crossing stuff out i'm like skipping bits and then when i go to type it up i can kind of make it a bit neater but mm. yeah so that's a bit of a, a bit of an issue but you know it it's odd because i don't have anything to compare it to mm. because it's a lifelong thing so i don't sort of know like i have two sisters who are able bodies and like most of my friends are so i can compare it to the to them in the sense of you know i obviously know that for them it's a lot easier to like um shower <laughs> or yeah. whatever yeah. uh but i don't i've never sort of sat down and thought hmm i wonder how much uh, easier my life would be if i didn't have didn't have this didn't have cp but yeah i'd say the handwriting thing is a big issue and my my uh, stubbornness as regards notebooks <laughs> yeah i'm with you i agree there's something about writing down things with the pen and pencil and writing it down and seeing it in your own handwriting it makes it feel so much better than when you actually see it typed on the computer. Um, we do have a comment and it's actually from a um, friend of mine who's actually writing her first book. She's in the editing process right now and she wrote good for her. I can relate to writing it first. So yes, so I can relate to that. But do you think that's because you're, like you said, you're stubborn that you don't want to take the easy way out? You could just say, well, I have cerebral palsy. I could have someone else write this down for me or I could dictate, but I want to do it myself. That part of your perseverance, you should say. Oh, uh, yeah. I, it's a really interesting <laughs> question. And I think it, the answer is kind of multifaceted in that it is that I'm stubborn, uh, but also it's to do with the fact that um there's a lot of people when you have a disability that say you can't do things mm -hmm. like um you can't do this you can't do that uh, or worse they don't say you can't do things but they just assume that you can't do things so in a way me kind of putting my hands up and saying i'm gonna have someone else write all this down for me that would kind of be proving them right mm -hmm. which morally i'm sort of not not okay with uh, and also i never show anybody my first drafts because and i'm sure any writers listening will relate to this i never show anybody my first draft because they're almost always terrible mm. <laughs> so i have to you know work on it a bit first before i show it to anyone except for my dog my dog sees everything <laughs> i love that dog sees everything yeah do they, does it does your dog look at you like crazy when you're like reading stuff to it yeah yeah i mean i have gen this is people don't ever believe me when i say this but it's true i have genuinely read bits out to her and said wag your tail if you like it keep still if you don't and if she doesn't wag her tail i have been known to delete bits because my dog didn't wag her tail, which people think I'm joking, but I'm honestly not. 
Uh, <laughs> whether or not that's madness, I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, my dog sees everything. It's a really good job she can't talk because, oh my God, the stuff she got on me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Now, in your bio, you talked about dealing with mental illness. You talked about depression, and that's something that definitely a lot of women deal with is depression and going through. Was that related to your cerebral palsy, or was that something totally separate, or can you separate the two? Um, again, it's a really good question, and I hope my answer will be uh, good enough to. I think it's related in the sense that I don't think the depression would have happened if not for the cerebral palsy but it's not the fact of having cerebral palsy that uh, contributed to my depression like the actual fact of it itself i'm fine with uh where it becomes difficult is other people's reactions to it so like when i was at school i used to get picked on a lot especially when i was in elementary school i think you guys would call it elementary school mm -hmm. I used to get picked on a lot. Um, you know, people, ableism and ableist abuse is a very, very real thing, and people can sometimes not be nice, um, and sometimes they can be, you know, cruel. Mm -hmm. And um, that, I think, especially when I was young, like now it makes me angry, but when I was younger, it used to just make me really sad <laughs> and it like impacted my self-esteem like in a really big big way so I think if it was just if I just had the cerebral palsy and people left me alone about it I'm not sure it would be as big a contributing factor as it is I mean there are all kinds of factors that contribute to mental illnesses like for instance uh depression runs in my family mm -hmm. um yeah, there's there's myriad different um, different things, chemical imbalances, all things like that. But I think people's reactions to the cerebral palsy is probably a primary um, contributing factor. Yeah, because it's it's not it's not fun to live like that. So did that make you more determined to get out and do more things because of, or how did you get over it? Because you said you still, you had to overcome that mental illness. You had to overcome the depression. Yeah. I mean, I still, I still have periods or like days where I don't feel very well and I have to like uh, manage it. But I think that's the difference. I think I know how to manage now. Um, and when I was younger, I didn't sort of have that coping thing. So, like, when I was very, very young, I didn't have the same outlook that I have now, which is, right, I'm going to prove them all wrong and this and that, because I thought they were right. Oh, wow. Because I had no, like, self, I had no, like, self-belief. So I would sit in front of a mirror uh, when no one was around and look at myself and think, right, what is the thing that's wrong with you that makes <laughs> makes all these people pick on you? Which, um, yeah, it's not conducive to being like, I want to get out of bed this morning. So, you know, I went through periods where, like, I was literally, like, too afraid to go out because I thought I was going to get assaulted or, um, you know, stuff like that. Um, and it took 
you know, I'm not kind of ashamed to say it took a long time, uh, longer than it should have, for me to go, like, actually, no, like, these people have picked on me because of a problem that they've got. It's not to do with me. And it's not, it's nothing to do with who I am. It's just their prejudices or their unhappinesses or, or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, that's a whole other thing what drives people to bully other people. I wouldn't know about that because I'm not a bully. Um, but, yeah, so it took, uh, took a really long time. I'd say, I'd say I was probably about... 15, 16, um, maybe even slightly older than that, when I sort of started to think, oh, maybe it's not because of me. Maybe it's to do with them. Mm. <laughs> you know, so it took a it took a long time. But now I just wish like my one of my big driving things of why I, I do these like the podcasts that I do and I write the way I do in my books and um one of my big things with that is I don't want it to take so long for a kid in my position to feel like that. Mm. Like, I don't want them to sort of be sitting there thinking, what's wrong with me? Because the fact is, it's nothing to do with them. It's all to do with the person that's making them feel horrible. <laughs> um and yeah, that's kind of my big impetus now. Like I do stuff and I like write things and I make things because I know there's loads of people that would be happier if I just shut up. <laughs> um, and I, I don't want to make those people happy because they didn't make me happy. So there we go. Wow. wow. I mean, that story right there. Just the realization, I mean, you realize that when you're like 15, 16 years old, there are a lot of people who don't have the physical disabilities that aren't able to realize that until they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s. So to have that mindset already that you're not going to let anybody else kind of dictate how you feel or, or how you feel about yourself. I love that. It's, it's like a comment just came across powerful. That's actually the word I was just going to use is powerful. Your wow, testimony you. is just powerful. And to put yourself out there for writing too, because a writer is not an easy job. You putting your whole heart and soul into your work. So let's talk about your work. Let's talk about inside out. Oh yeah. That'd be more cheer, more cheerful conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so why did you decide to write inside out? Um. Well, uh, this just thinking back away because I was actually 12 when I started writing the first draft of Inside Out and I finished it when I was 14. Uh, I'm 22 now. Uh, so thinking back on it is um, it's really fun actually to, to think that when I like was a 12 and I had no self-esteem in any other area but I was like I can do this. I can tell stories, and uh, turned out I was right. <laughs> so that that's really fun. Um, at the time I was writing it, I thought you know I was doing it because I wanted to be a writer and because I had these um, voices in my head, um, and I wanted to like tell their stories. And for a long time, I said that the writing and the disability were entirely separate things and the mental illnesses and everything 
were separate from the writing. But when, as I got older, and I, you know, I've been back through it and edited it, and it's come out, and I talk to people about it, which is insane, and it's my favorite thing ever. Um, I realized that actually a lot of it comes from the same place because. The basic premise of the book is that it's set in a world that's divided very sharply into two factions. You've got the insiders and you've got the outsiders. They hate each other like poison. They've been brought up that way. And that's the way it's always been. And uh, holding on to that structure causes a lot of problems, for, especially for the younger characters in the book. Um, and that kind of thing that, you know, prejudice, discrimination, all those things. And like the real like proper damage that it does, I think, I think is all kind of all linked in. And it took me a long time, even after I'd written the book, it took me a while. And I was like, oh, that's what this is. <laughs> it's, you know, it's because of that. It's because these things make me angry and, you know, stuff. And um, so, yeah, I think that's it. I think a big part of it was I wanted to express how wrong it is to judge someone based upon something that they can't control and that they have no sort of power over. Because, you know, people do that every day, right, over just the most arbitrary random things. And it's stupid and it's dangerous and it's, you know, <sighs> wrong. Um, so, yeah, I think that is a big reason why I wanted to do it. I wanted to sort of express that, I guess. So this is that's the very first book that you published, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. Do you have any more in the works? I do indeed. Uh, Inside Out is the first in a series of books. Um, and I'm a little I'm partway into the third book now. The second book is. Um, on my laptop is waiting to be sent to my editor and I'm partway into the notebook draft of the third book. Uh, and uh, Inside Out, the original book, is just about to come out on audio, which is I'm really excited about. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's been a long old ride. I don't sort of... <laughs> because I've lived with it for so long, like I started writing it 10 years ago, I'd had the idea sort of several years before that. I don't sort of know how I'm going to cope when I finish. <laughs> um, because I don't sort of, you know, that the characters in this book were like my imaginary friends when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we collectively have been through a lot together. I mean, God knows I put them through a lot of, of stuff <laughs> um, because that's my job to make their lives miserable for the entertainment of others. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, you know, it, it's it's fine. Like, we have an understanding. And uh, sometimes they, um, sometimes I do feel bad, but then I'm like, but I don't feel bad enough to make it all all right. Um, maybe I will, maybe I won't, who knows. Uh, so, yeah, I've got that series kind of in the pipeline. And then... After that, I've always wanted to write for kids, uh, younger kids. So I would love to try my hand at that. I'd be really excited to, to do that. So, so 
take us through when you first started writing your book to when you started you actually got a publisher and published it. So take us through the steps. Cause you said you started writing this when you were what, 10, 11, 12 years old and you were writing it, writing it. How did you find a publisher to actually say, okay, we're going to publish this book for you? Uh, yeah, it was, um, it was quite a ride. As you say, I started writing it when I was a kid, you know, I was writing it under my desk in school when I'm meant to be doing like math. <laughs> but I I was like mainly a goody two-shoes when I was at school uh, except when it came to this uh, but I was really I had to get really good at hiding it because I because of the, my disability I had a teacher's aide whose mm. whole job was to help me to do my work <laughs> so I had to get really good at hiding it at hiding what I was doing um, so I had to learn how to write without looking at the paper. So I would put my notebook under my desk, but I would be looking at the teacher and, and things. Uh, so a lot of it didn't make any sense. When I look back, a lot of it was like... A yeah. lot of it was... A lot of it was um, yeah, a lot of it was like just scribbles. Um and then every day when I got back from school, I'd like write more in my breaks all the time. I was just at it all the time. Um, and then when I finished school, which was the time at which I thought, right, I'm going to like publish it now. I was about 16. And that summer that I finished school, I had like a nervous breakdown. Mm. And I'd already had two nervous breakdowns um but this one i couldn't sort of identify a trigger point whereas with the others i i can but um with this one i i still can't like if i try and think now i just got like i just went to bed one day and then i just woke up in the middle of the night and i was having a like a panic attack mm -hmm. and i just it took a really long time for my head to get right after that um and so it wasn't until i was like i'm a twin and i have a twin sister and i had a conversation with her uh, when i was 20 and we were coming up for our 21st and she just goes you always said you would be published when you by the time you were 21 uh, which is true and it's something i've been saying since i was tiny because I think when I would ask my <laughs> my TAs my teaching assistants my helpers I would always ask them how old they were which I now realize was really rude <laughs> uh, but at the time I didn't see anything wrong with it and um, they would always say they were 21 always irrespective of how old they actually were and I didn't I didn't realize that they were joking so I seized upon that as the number where i was like right that is when one has a job when you're 21 that's when you get a job and the oh. only job i ever wanted to have was to be a writer so i was like right i'm gonna be published by the time i'm 21 and uh so my sister says this to me i don't even know if she remembers saying it um but she says this to me and she goes uh you're running out of time <laughs> And I'm like, oh, shoot, you're right. And so then I was like, right, okay. Like, I, I just, like, I got better from my 
uh, you know, I was on like new meds and stuff and I got better from my uh, depressive episode. So I was like, right, let's do this. Um, and then I realized that I um, was, too, I'm too much of a control freak mm. to go through a traditional publishing house because I have friends that are traditionally published and they're like, they're really happy about it, but they have to let a lot of things slide like final say on the like cover art, editing, stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I want to be in charge of everything, uh, but I don't have the skills to do it all. Like there are some writers that I call true self-published writers who they do everything themselves and it's amazing. But I have one skill set, which is making stuff up. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> that's, that's it. That's the thing I'm good at. Um, so I was like, right, okay what am I going to do? So I did a lot of uh, research and I found this amazing, it's called a partnership publisher, which is, so you get all the perks of a professional publishing house, like you get professional editors, cover designers and all that. You get the name and stuff associated with your work, which is great, but you get final say on everything. Like Mm. nothing got done unless I said, yep, that's, that's fine. So that was like my dream. Uh, but I remember when I submitted the manuscript, um, it was about three days before I heard back whether they were accepting it to publish or not. The most stressful three days I've ever had in my life. Mm. And I've had a lot of stressful days. <laughs> um, but I was so I was so convinced. I was going to get rejected that I'd compiled a backup plan <laughs> of like where I was like right when the inevitable rejection email comes through where am I going to go next to to get the book into print and then I got this email and I just sat there I'd been like refreshing my emails like all day and then I'd do it one time and it's it's just there it's like yeah in regards to your manuscript submission like <gasps> And then I was like freaking out. I was like, I'm not going to open it. Like, what do I do? <laughs> so I, I paced up and down a bit. And then my mum was like, just open it. Like, it's ki- it's killing us. So I opened it and there it was. Um, Dear Miss Hibbard, we are pleased to accept Inside Out as a matter title. And I screamed, I think possibly a world record for the length of screen before drawing breath i don't know i didn't <laughs> i didn't have a stopwatch but i was <laughs> i was like you know i just like screamed and i was like like they're joking like they're winding me up like i think i actually did send them an email being like are you sure <laughs> <laughs> because, because i was like so cool um and then you know, it was another sort of six to eight months going through editing, cover design. That was a really good day when the cover arrived. Like, it's so beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's stunning. I love it. I'm obsessed. Um, so, yeah, and then then it came out and I was like, oh, that's that done. And then um, my publicist rings me up which in itself i was weirded out by the fact that i had a publicist i was like i have a publicist now like a proper writer does okay weird and she rings me up and says um there's a radio show that wants to do a piece on you tonight are you available (laughs) and i'm like yeah i can do that like i'd never done it before i had no clue what i was doing at all um i was like yeah sure i could do that um 
and that was when it, things got they went a bit crazy but like in the best way because like i did this interview and i had no idea what i was doing but every you know people said it was like really good and they invited me back so they clearly i kind of sucked so bad that they were like why the hell do we even have this like blubbering mess of a human being on um yeah so yeah it's it's been an insane kind of, and then right after all that craziness there was a pandemic mm -hmm. you know i was i was gonna go on a tour like around indie bookshops and things i was really excited about it i was gonna take my dog on tour i'd like told her like we're gonna go on a tour um and it all had to be like abandoned because of pandemic so i'm still kind of in a weird place where like people ask me to explain that journey and it's a it's insane it's completely crazy and completely mad um but yeah it's been a lot of fun a lot of fun wow it does sound like it's a lot of fun i did not know until you just mentioned it that you had a twin how has that impacted you like like you said you said when you turned 21 you, she told you, hey, you're supposed to be a published author. Why aren't you a published author? So how does that impact you besides that? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, she'll be listening to this and she'll love the fact that we've brought her up because she loves people talking about her. Um, <laughs> so, hi, Lorna. I love you very much. I'm only saying nice things, I promise. Uh, uh no, it, it's, it's, kind of like the cerebral palsy in that i have no i have nothing to compare it to mm. i've never been an only child but what's great about me and her is that we in a lot of ways we're similar like and we're both stubborn and we both work hard and stuff but in a lot of ways we're like completely different so like i have really i have issues like with my self-esteem and things like that my sister, Lorna, every time she goes past a reflective surface, be it a window, a kettle, back of a teaspoon, she will look at herself and go, God, I look fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and like, she is like really athletic, really sporty, um, very, very studious. I think I've already proved I'm not quite that studious, although yeah i did work hard when i was at school for sure but um not not as hard as she did i'm sure but she the thing that i love most about her is that she is very she's really supportive of like the writing and things but also she like that time she's like come on quick you gotta hurry up you're running out of time she says she calls things exactly as she sees them uh, which i really struggle with i have this peculiar thing where it's a very british thing i think where if if someone bumps into me my immediate response is to apologize to them oh. whereas hers would be watch where you're going <laughs> you know so i think that's kind of healthy for me in a way to have someone that's like just get, like just do things or like you know why do you care about what they think they're plonkers or you know stuff like that um so yeah it's, it's a lot of fun it's interesting because every single thing like milestone we kind of did together 
up until the point where uh, she went off to university and I didn't because I wanted to to write full time so I didn't go to university um and that was a weird experience because like we both went on these different completely different like trajectories uh but it worked really well for both of us uh worked out really good so yeah it's if i want someone to honestly tell me whether they think my book sucks i'll ask her to check it for me because like i ask other people like i ask my mum but she's hardly gonna turn around and go yeah it's it's it doesn't work uh but i know if i ask her if i ask lorna she'll tell me the truth yeah she's she's great so basically besides your dog she's like your other built-in editor uh yeah yeah although sometimes i don't show her things because i'm too too afraid so so sometimes i wait till it's like published and then show it to her and then then even if she thinks it's terrible she can't do anything about it uh but but no, no, she's you know really good. And if I like, if I get stuck on a thing or whatever, I will sometimes say to her, "Oh, I'm stuck. I can't think of a way of doing it." And then she'll be like, "Oh, well, you could do this." And then I'm like, "Oh yeah, that might that could work." And she's like, "Of course it can work. I'm brilliant." <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think what it really is uh, that works for her and me is like she has enough confidence for the both of us. Mm-hmm. So if I'm ever like freaking out about things, she's like, like when the book first came out and I was like waiting for the reviews and stuff, I was like, what if they're all terrible? And she goes, well, it won't be terrible because it's a good book. But also, even if they are all terrible, why do you care about that anyway? Like those people are wrong. I'm like, but then what if they're right? And she's like, but they're not. Like she could just be like that. She'd be like, and uh, she has a saying where she says, "Everyone's entitled to an opinion. It's just some people's opinions are wrong opinions." <laughs> I love that. She has it on a mug. She has it on like a mug, and if if like, whereas I'm a people pleaser, so I'm very much. I'm like, oh, I wish everyone loved me all the time. Which obviously it can't be done. It's impossible. But whereas she's like. Yeah, most people probably love me because I'm great. But if people don't, then it's their loss, not mine. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. So our time is almost up. So what is one last thing that you can share with people? Um. Oh, I guess what we've kind of touched on a bit um, today, and I've rambled on for quite a while about it, um, for which I apologise, but now I'm going to ramble on about it some more. <laughs> um, um, which is judging people based on things that they can't control. So, like, disability, gender, race, whatever it is. Uh, it sucks and it's stupid and it's wrong, and I'm sure, like, all your listeners know that. But what's also wrong and sucks is if people see stuff like that or the results of stuff like that and they don't do anything about it and like i know it's really hard to like stand up and be candid and be like no this is not on um but i think that's really important especially at the moment because like we're in this terrible circumstances and it's very 
tempting, I suppose, for there to be like a scapegoat. So like in England, for ages and ages and ages, the government was saying, oh, we don't need to worry about the pandemic because it's only people who are elderly or have underlying health conditions that will be affected. So the rest of us don't need to worry. <laughs> Uh, which is kind of an extreme level of prejudice mm -hmm. <laughs> that, you know, cost people their lives. Uh, you know, the slowness of the, like, the reaction of it um, cost people their lives. And it also, for those of us that did have underlying health conditions, we were like, right, so we're, what, we're, like, cannon fodder. We can just, like, be sacrificed <laughs> for, mm -hmm. the, for the sake of everyone else, which, you know, a is a lie and b is immoral and it is dumb so i guess what i'd say is if you've been through stuff like that i'm really really sorry about it but also if you see stuff like that happening say something even if it's hard or even if it's you know upsetting or because <laughs> because it's only when that stuff gets called out and that's the theme in the books as well. It's only when that stuff that's always been the way it is gets called out as being wrong. Like, then things can change and people can be made better. And, yeah. So where can people find you? Uh, Rachel, so you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Natalie Hibbard. I'm on Instagram at Natalie Hibbert Author. Um, so is my dog. She gets on Instagram a lot. She's a lot better looking than I am. <laughs> uh, um, and also you can find me at NatalieHibbertAuthor.co.uk. And uh, one of my favourite things about my job is reader correspondence. So if any of you guys checked out the book Inside Out and want to tell me what you thought of it, like that would make me really happy especially if you thought it was good like if you thought it was bad it might not make me quite so happy <laughs> but uh yeah so you can find me in any of those places and like keep your eyes peeled for the book and the audio release is coming soon too all right well natalie i want to thank you so much for coming on i really enjoyed our chat and i wish everything i'll the best for you in the future and can't wait to see that book for us in the United States. Your book would be on the New York times bestseller list. I can't wait to see it one day be on the New York time bestseller list. <laughs> oh, well, that would be, that would be pretty, pretty awesome. That'd be pretty amazing. <laughs> so thanks so much for having me. It's been loads of fun. It's been so All right. So guys, we will see you on the next chat for the blog cabin. Bye. Wow, that was an amazing chat with Natalie. I love how the fact that she talked about um, reading parts of her book to her dog, and if her dog didn't like it, she would just delete it. I mean, really, that was so funny to me. But I also love the fact that she has a twin sister who is like her biggest supporter and like biggest vocal person for her telling her, you know, don't worry about what other people are saying because sometimes you need to hear that. I love Natalie's courage her ability to say what she thinks now 
Um, it's a really great story and I hope you really enjoyed it. I have more amazing stories like this coming up on Chats from the Blog Cabin. Um, I have some fun stuff coming up too as well. And then in April, we're going to kind of switch modes a little bit and we're going to do more of a educational type, getting out of college, getting out of school, learning things. We're, I'm probably going to have a guest on that will be on twice that month. Who knows? You never know what's going to happen. I want to thank you guys for being part of the Chats from the Blog Cabin family. Um, thank you for listening to the podcast. Please like, subscribe, leave a review wherever you listen it to. Um, and I hope you guys have a blessed day. And remember, keep chatting. <laughs>